Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any person, any person, is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is, not will be, but he is a new creation. A new creature altogether. In other words, what makes you, you, is completely new. There is no holdover. There was no renovation or remodel. You're a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition that you battle with and that the enemy is trying to convince you is still alive is gone, has passed away. That's what old folks call people who die. You know, so-and-so passed away. Well, they just left. They left the body behind. Behold, look around you. The fresh and the new has come. That's what you need to do every morning when you get up in the mirror. Don't believe the lie you're looking at. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Colossians 2.10 And you are in Him, made full, and having come to fullness of life. In Christ you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature. You feel like that? Well, guess what? It has nothing to do with the way you feel. It's a reality. You know what that verse is saying? You are complete in Christ. Absolutely full. You have reached full spiritual stature. Did you think coming to church was going to fill you up? No. Coming to church is going to affirm the fact that you are filled. That you've got... The fullness of the stature. Of who? Billy Graham? Of who? Jesus Christ. Now, if I'm going to be filled with somebody's stature, that's the one I want. And you know what? In order to get that done, He had to completely remake you. He had to make you a new creation because the old creation couldn't handle the fullness of the stature of Christ. But that's what you are. Ephesians 4.24 says, And put on the new nature, the regenerated self, created in God's image, Godlike, in true righteousness. Now, is that an act or is that the truth? True righteousness. True right standing before God. That's the truth of you. I'm not talking about your behavior. I'm talking about the truth of you before God. True righteousness and holiness. You know what that means? You are whole in His sight. You are wholly consecrated unto Him. Now, the reason I bring all that is because it's very, very important for you to know that spiritually, that doesn't change. Spiritually, which is what you are. You are spiritual people. I don't care what 
kind of earth suit you're wearing. You are a spiritual person if you have Christ as your life. That does not change. The battle of the flesh is the constant battle to convince you that you're not. But if you view the truth and you view the Word of God through the lens of who you are spiritually, you will be affirmed. But if you view it through the soul, it'll be distorted. Because I'm going to tell you something about the soul. The soul is like this all the time. Spirit, soul. This doesn't change. Ups and downs. Steady, static, unchanging. Now where do you want to live from? Here's the thing. People want to view themselves spiritually from the soul. And God says view the soul spiritually from who you are in Christ. People don't want to live by faith. And you know what it means not to live by faith? It means to live by the flesh. That's what it means. It means to live by the soul, the ups and downs. But that's not what God has for us. The reason I went over that is I want to remind you that you are a new creation, that you are a spiritual creature. You are a spirit made in the likeness of God by God. You derive your life from Him. You have been made full or complete with all that Christ is operating in you as life. You have reached full spiritual stature, and that's what God says about you. It says about your spiritual self, you are complete. And then Paul tells us in the verse I just read, own it. Put it on and live it out. Because it's the truth of who you are. Why do we need to be reminded of that? Because what we experience in our living on this earth is life through the soul. That is the mind, will, and emotions. That's what the soul is made up of. And again, the soul is typically a fickle mess. And it's like a ship on a stormy sea. The perspective of the soul is always distorted. It distorts the truth of our spiritual condition. It can also distort your view of God. You know, if you're on a boat and you look out at the land, you say you're in a large body of water and you're sitting on that boat, you look towards the land, your perception could be that the land is moving while you are still. Or that the water is greater than the land you're looking at. Is that the truth? Whenever we make judgments about our relationship with the Lord, or even about other people, what is happening is that we're saying that we're still and the land is moving. We're seeing from the soul. We're looking from the soul. And we're making judgments about our relationship with God. And you know what it does? It makes us insecure, unsecured in the truth. If we don't, by faith, recognize the unchangeable reality of who we are, we can never rest. Now, this understanding is very necessary for you to appreciate what Paul's going to address in Corinthians chapter 12. So let's look at the first verse. It says, Paul writes, Now about the spiritual gifts, the special endowments of, of supernatural energy, brethren, I do not want you to be misinformed. 
And Paul has been addressing these questions to the Corinthians that the Corinthians had written to him, and he had previously addressed several issues in that fellowship, including divisions, the woman's role in the church, and the abuse of the Lord's Supper. And all of these abuses had occurred, all of these issues had occurred because the Corinthian fellowship had become carnal, that is, fleshy, man-centered in their thinking and in their worship. Now, the thing you got to realize, and I've reminded you of this before, is that Corinth was one of the most idolatrous cities in the then-known world. Now, we live in a fairly, well, we live in a very different culture. But in their culture, there was all kinds of spiritual activity. They lived in a, in a mega center of idolatry, huge pagan temples, all kinds of weird manifestations of spiritual things went on around them. So these people were not unacquainted with spiritual or supernatural activity. But the problem is that their perspective, what they had seen, their experience of supernatural activity was based in man. It was man-centered and most of it was demonic Man that was a prophet was a prophet because he was somehow special. Again, the focus was man. All of these things came into their understanding of what the spiritual gifts were. They had no basis of balance. So Paul's addressing these questions and he's saying to them, All right, guys, I wouldn't have you... Ignorant. I wouldn't have you living in ignorance concerning the Spirit's activity in you. I don't want you to be misinformed, which is to suggest that there was some misinformation out there. So look at verse 2. He says, You know that when you were heathen, you were led off after idols that could not speak habitually as an impulse directed and whenever the occasion might arise. In other words, what we're saying is we know that before Christ, you guys were being led off by idolatry, by whatever the enemy would bring your way. Now, you know, before you met Christ, you were born into slavery. Does everybody understand that? You were born into slavery to the unholy trinity, which is Satan, the power of sin in the world. And you were held captive to the wickedness of your own nature. Now, what Paul describes in this verse, the word picture here, is a slave literally being dragged away by his chains. But not unwillingly. Not unwillingly. Literally, he is moving with the desperation of an addict. Desperate to participate. Feeling it, need of it, with all his being, rushing towards it. Look at verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit of God can ever say, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can really say, Jesus is my Lord, except by and under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. Now again... Remembering what they've come from, remembering what they've heard and seen about the activity of the Spirit, okay? Paul's intention here is to give them an understanding of how the Spirit of God works through them. So it was not Paul's intention, which I've heard preached and taught, 
It was not Paul's intention here to create a litmus test for Christianity or for Christians or to create a tripwire that would cause us to lose our salvation. Now, have you ever heard it spoken about that way? I have. See, in the day of the Corinthians, this cursing of Christ or anathemas were not uncommon at all. It was not uncommon among the Jews. They would compel proselytes to pronounce this curse or be excommunicated, which could have caused some of the Christians to be tempted in that because the consequences of a Jewish exile was pretty severe. Synagogue prayers would include the cursing of all apostates, which would include Jesus. Paul mentions his involvement in this whole situation in Acts 26.11. He writes, And frequently I punish them in all the synagogues to make them blaspheme. And in my bitter fury against them, I harass, troubled, molested, persecuted, and pursue them even to foreign cities. Also, similar things, similar things occurred in pagan temples and pagan worship. And, of course, there were the deranged and hysterical utterances of those who claimed to be under the influence of the Spirit. So, you see, this, this is something that to us may sound shocking. How could anybody say something like that? But was a commonality. And I won't even mention, you know, the use of the Lord's name in vain and all of the things that we have in our society. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says, Now there are distinctive varieties and distributions of endowments, gifts, extraordinary powers distinguishing certain Christians due to the power of divine grace operating in their souls by the Holy Spirit. And they vary, but the Holy Spirit remains the same. Now, I want to tell you, this began when you were born again. You became a spiritual being whose source of life is the Spirit of Christ. Now, all that is true about Christ is your source for life. Okay? Now, here's the problem with a lot of people's perception of the gifts of the Spirit. They believe that it is supernaturally sent and brought and imparted upon them at certain times or they carry their own pass card for a particular gift and can call it into action as they need to. And then the Spirit of God comes and manifests this gift. Well, they've got a lot of things about that correct. It is the Spirit of God that brings it forth. But you need to understand that the Spirit of God is in you. That every gift that Christ had resides in the life of Christ, which is where? In you. In you, absolutely. So... We'll talk about the gift of exhortation or prophecy. Well, did Jesus have that? Did Jesus have the gift of healing? Did Jesus have any or all of the gifts? He did. And you know when he exercised them? I'll tell you when. When the Father instructed him to. But here's the thing. Jesus never had to pray for the gifts. He didn't. He didn't identify himself by the gifts. He didn't walk into a village and say, I'm a healer. He didn't walk in and say, I'm a prophet. He identified himself by virtue of the Father. That's how he identified himself. 
And this is his confidence. His confidence was that when he was commanded or given by the Father to manifest a gift, he had the gift within him to manifest. Now, that being said, spiritual gifts are not topically applied like anointment. They are literally within you. And every one of you have them. Not just the super saints. There are no super saints, by the way. Every one of you have them. How do I know you're, you have them? You have the Spirit of God. I mean, that's not a tough deduction, is it? But people talk nowadays as though having a spiritual gift is something that they really had to work towards getting. And if you work real hard, maybe you can get it too. And then there's the echelon of spiritual gifts. And some are high up and some are low down. Let me tell you something. The spiritual gifts are the expression of the Spirit of God through you. Period. And they are many And there are a huge variety. So, if you thought you were special because you have a spiritual gift, guess what? No, you were special before you ever realized you had a spiritual gift. Okay? This began when you were born in Christ, and you are full up with Christ's life. That's how you're complete. Now, if you're complete, do you have to pray any of these gifts in? No, you don't. Now, all that you're directed to do by the Spirit is not a matter of your doing, but a matter of your yielding and being. This is the cool thing about obedience now. You see, before Christ, obedience was impossible. After Christ, obedience is simply living. It's you operating by yielding to the Spirit of God. And here's the cool thing. It doesn't matter what you're doing If you're doing it yielded unto God, it is God's desire for you. Because listen, there's no, there's no dividing up of your life where God says, this part is of me and this part is of me, but the rest of the stuff you, you're going to have to handle on your own. How much is a sheep supposed to know? What is it he is supposed to be in charge of? What is the sheep in charge of? Let, let me ask you. Nothing. And I'm going to tell you something. He's got to be glued to that shepherd because here's the reality. Apart from him, nothing's happening. The idiot would wander off and starve to death. Get one foot stuck in a bush and stay there until the wolves ate him. How do I know that? Because I have had the shepherd pulling my legs out of bushes for years. You know, I thought malnutrition was because God wouldn't feed me. The reason I had malnutrition is because I wouldn't eat. Now, that's how stupid I was. The reality of it is that you are full up. You are equipped. Now, Jesus had the giftedness of the Spirit. He was a continual manifestation of the the Spirit. He was a revelation of the activity of the Spirit. And you have His life. He brought forth fruit. Therefore, if you have His life, guess what? You will bear much abundant what? Fruit. That's right. So, does it make sense... That if you are a spirit, does everybody here believe they're spirits? They believe it, right? Doesn't matter what you're wearing, you're a spirit. If you are a spirit, does it follow that you would be able to have a spiritual gift? If your gift was in the flesh, he would call it a flesh gift. Which wasn't a gift, it'd be a curse. 
but it's a spiritual gift. The spiritual gift. Uh, I, I read one definition. One theologian defined spiritual gifts this way. He said, the spiritual gift is a spirit-given ability which acts as a channel through which the spirit ministers to the church body. Every Christian is gifted, but not every Christian is yielded. Some are carnal, but that doesn't mean the spiritual gift is inactive. But for them, it's not a blessing. I don't know. I, I, have, I have listened to carnal preachers preach and still been blessed. How about you? But, you know, that's a reality. That's a reality. You, you've been blessed by carnal preachers. I mean, they, they can say things and the, and the Spirit of God activates it in you, right? Well, you know what? Their gift didn't stop functioning because they refused to recognize who they were in Christ. The Spirit of God is still about ministering and reaching others. A branch will bear. Jesus didn't say will conditionally bear fruit, does he? He doesn't say will sometimes bear fruit. He says you will bear fruit. Now here's the thing about the gifts of the Spirit. They require the Spirit. And a person who acts in carnality and the Spirit works through in a, in a moment or in a time, like the preacher I mentioned, there may be 20 people come to know the Lord. That's spiritual activity. It's an expression of His gift. And God used it, and they come forward. But I want to tell you something. That man is not blessed. He'll be blind to the activity of God. He will see himself. You see these preachers that absolutely fall apart and talk about how they're burned out and they can't minister anymore. Well, where were you ministering from? What was your source? Did that dry up? That's the reality of it. Now, this is not a natural talent. Yes, both originate with God, but it's not like uh, your natural ability to sing or your natural ability... To, to do in anything. But yeah, those are gifts from God. My son is gifted in playing the piano. That's a natural ability that God has gifted him in, but that's not a spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts have their basis in spiritual work. They're designed to uphold and absorb and, uh, and build up the body. They're about the body of Christ. If you remove them from that venue, they're not spiritual gifts. They're not gifts of the Spirit as defined. They are to lift the body up, okay? And they have absolutely no connection to the flesh other than the flesh is the vessel that they may come forth from. It's because we're all wearing bodies, right? That's their only connection. It's not natural talent. And they're only for the edification of the body of Christ, not the edification of flesh. And they should always point to Jesus. They are never to be seen as the work of man. Chapter 12, verse 5. And there are distinctive varieties of service and ministration. There are many distinctive varieties of service and ministration. But it is the same Lord who is served. They have one purpose. They're singular in their purpose. Christ is the purpose. Child of God, you are God's unique expression. Have you figured that one out yet? You are uniquely gifted. The Spirit expresses His gifts through Christians in a unique 
way. Now, just like your bodies are completely unique, your smile, your laughter, your fingerprint, everything is unique about you. The same is true about your spirit. It is unique. It is uniquely shaped and formed by God, and it began before eternity. (laughs) Because God began before time. But the reality of it is that when you, let's say you have the gift of prophecy, nobody is going to do it the way you do it. It's not going to look like everybody else. And this is the thing about man-centered religion is that it's constantly comparing one to the other. It's constantly looking at how this guy ministers versus how I minister. Well, what is that based on? The comparisons are based on what I can see with my eyes and hear with my ears. It's not based on the work of God. Comparison is not a work of the Spirit. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006